you just died. Sure you didn't expect it? I'm sure if you know it was coming, you might have been doing something differently. Perhaps it was a heart attack or a stroke or an aneurysm or maybe it was a car wreck. Now, trust me, I know you're sitting there quite alive, but I want you to just go with me with this for just a little while. You just died. You know, about a year ago, it was an accident and got my arm crushed. And I was sitting there with that arm mash and I looked and it's pretty close to my neck and the thought hit me, boy, I just nearly died. It wouldn't have took just a second or two, just a few seconds, and my life would have been over. And we know death is coming. We all know that a clock is ticking and somewhere along the way, It's going to happen. And little did you know that just a moment or two ago, your life would end. And we all live our lives feeling that we have plenty of time, that we have years, if not decades, coming to us, owed to us, and that our life is going to proceed. But little did you know, it would be cut short tonight. And now your heart no longer beats. And you no longer breathe. And the process of death begins and things have changed. And I want to study with you just a little while about death. I want you to think about the fact that you didn't get time to think. You didn't get time to pray. It's over. The book of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel rather, chapter 14, verse 14, he says, For we must needs die, and as are as water spilt upon the ground, which cannot be gathered again. Neither doth God respect any person. You know, death is like water spilt on the ground. You don't reverse it. We don't change it. And so I want to invite you to study with me for just a little while. What happens at death? Number one, and it's a fairly simple point, is you no longer have freedom of choice. You no longer have the freedom of choice. Now we live our lives with this freedom as in Joshua 24 verse 15. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. You made a choice to come and be here tonight. You made a choice to wear the clothes that you're wearing and to comb your hair in the way you fixed it or to do whatever you do. We make choices each and every day of our lives to obey God and be obedient to Him or we perhaps choose to not be obedient. And some people make a choice to delay their obedience to God. And they say, I'm going to do that later on. That's a choice that you make. But I want you to notice the choices that were ours, the choices that were yours while you were alive, are not yours now that you're dead. You no longer have freedom of choice. And that's the first thing that happens when you die. You no longer get to choose. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Those days are past. 
Because at the moment of death, you can no longer choose. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verse 8, he says, There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war. There's not a person here who has the ability to prolong their life. There's not a soul in this building that can choose. Now, I want to tell you, I've made some choices in my life. And I didn't live very healthy. I gained a lot of weight. And those choices impacted me. And so I made some choices not long ago to to be more healthy. To eat better. Exercise more. And there's been benefits to that. I'm glad I've done it. I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter how well you eat, how much you exercise, and take care of yourself and go to the doctor and eat your green leafy vegetables and take your vitamins, at some point you have no discharge in this war of life and death. If the world stands and Jesus doesn't return, we're going to grow old and we're going to die, every one of us. The green leafy vegetable eaters are going to die. The folks who drink carrot juice and take all their vegetables, they may live a little bit longer. The unhealthy and the non-exercisers maybe die a little quicker. We don't know. We have no discharge in this war. There's something greater than you and I. There's an eternity that awaits. And God has blessed you and He's given you life and He's given you free will to make your choices and decisions. And my friend, your life's been lived. In the beginning of this sermon, you died, and now you no longer have a choice. James chapter 2, verse 26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We have a body, and God gives within us that body a spirit of life. He breathed into Adam the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. And when the end comes and we die, this spirit leaves this body, and we no longer have life. And that's what happens. Ecclesiastes 12 And verse 7, Then shall the dust return unto the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And this body that we have, it's just a fleshly vessel, and it holds the Spirit for a little while. It serves its purpose. And it grows old and it decays. And a couple of things happen to the Spirit. We no longer have freedom of choice. The body... We have no choice over that either. It's going back to the dust from whence it came. You want a little bit of evidence of God, and here it is. Your body's going back to dirt from which it came. You have no choice. Psalms 146 verse 4, His breath goeth forth, He returneth to His earth, and that very day His thoughts perish. Whatever plans you had, you will not complete. Whatever things you thought you would do, whatever intentions that you had have perished and those are over. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Now listen carefully, my friends. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. When you die, it is over. You cannot work. You cannot think. You cannot act. 
Those things are history. And since we died just a moment ago, since you died, you no longer have choice. That brings me to my second point. Your fate is sealed. Your fate is sealed. I used to tell people I wouldn't die in my sleep. And I think I thought that would be painless. I thought that would be good. I've, I've changed my mind about that. I don't want to die that way. Jim Hayes used to pray, and in his prayer, he would say, Lord, if we have been found faithful, give us a home in heaven. I said, Jim, we just need to say, Lord, if, take us into heaven. We're going to need all the help we can get. I don't know if you realize it, but while you're alive and while you have freedom of choice, your fate's not sealed. You can change your course. You can change your life. You can change your works. You can change what you do. You can change what you are. I want you to notice Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. And John preached and preached and he preached and people went down there to the Jordan and they heard this wild man preach. And you know what he said? Repent, you, repent. Change your life. Change your course. Change your path. That's what he said. John the Baptist preached in that way. Matthew chapter 3, verse 5, Then went out to him. To who? To John. Listen carefully, folks. Then went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan. Who went to him? A lot of people. People went down to hear this man preach and listen to his preaching and listen to the wisdom that he was preaching. And notice what happens. Verse 6, And they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come unto this baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring therefore fruits, meat for repentance. He he give a warning. Repent. And I want to tell you something today. There's people here tonight that need to repent. There's some good people here that need to repent. And he said there's some vipers. <laughs> Maybe there's some vipers here tonight that need to repent. Change your path. Change your direction. Why? Because once you die, your fate is sealed. Once you die, you can't change anymore. Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. And so we have had witnesses from John the Baptist who came on the scene saying, Repent, to our Lord Jesus who comes along and He says it to everyone, Repent. He says you need to repent. And he preached to multitudes of people saying, you vipers need to repent and you need to change your life. And I want you to get this idea in your head. Mark chapter 2 verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he saith unto him that the whole have no need of the physician. You ever go to the doctor and sit down there and say, doc? And he's going to say, well, what's wrong? What's going on? What's wrong? You, well, nothing. He's going to say, well, why are you here? 
We go to the doctor because we're sick. Jesus came to help the sick repent. And I want to tell you, if you're living in sin tonight, you're sick. You're wrong. It's unhealthy. It's unwise. It's not going to be a benefit to you in your life. You need to change your path. You need to repent. They that are sick need to repent and change their life because when you die, your fate is sealed. I want you to understand me. Whatever condition that your soul is in with God, when you die, that's where it is. Now, I'll just be honest with you about my life. There's been times in my life where I do really good. There's times when I struggle and don't do so good. There's days where I feel like I'm really living the kind of life I ought to live, and I draw really close to God. Sometimes I stay that way a long time, and then it seems to me like in my life that Satan comes along and temptations comes along, and I don't do as good as I ought to do, and I go through periods that are rough. And I, I assume we're all that way. I want to tell you, I want to die when I'm at my best. I do. We need to repent. You need to repent. Jesus calls you to repent. This has not been a secret. This, this has not been said and taught privately to a few. It has been taught to the world. Repent. And Jesus said it again and again. I tell you nay, except you repent. You back up and look at verse 3. He says the same thing. Repent. Peter taught the same as Jesus taught and John taught. In fact, all the apostles went out and taught. Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, all of you here today, need to repent. Repent and be baptized. Everyone. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And what happens when someone repents and is baptized? We feel joy, don't we? We all feel joy. We feel happy. We feel good. And I want to tell you, I'll never forget the feeling of coming up out of that water. Turned around and looked at Pat Manning. <laughs> I felt good. And that's the idea. And this is the teaching from Peter on, you have been warned. Do you think on the day of judgment there are going to be people that stand before God and go, I didn't know. What, what was I supposed to do? I didn't know. I want to ask you a question. Do you know? I dare say you do. Do you know what you ought to do? Do you know that you ought to repent? Do you know that you ought to get right with the Lord? And change your life? And be obedient to Him? You know that you should follow the Lord and serve the Lord. You know that you should walk with the Lord. This hasn't been done in secret. It hasn't been taught in secret. It's been taught publicly. You need to repent and change your life. Why is that so important? Because when you die, your fate is sealed. Once you die, you cannot repent. 
Once you die, you cannot change. I want you to think about this for just a moment. You got into your car and you drove to church tonight. You came here and I'm glad you did. You walked in this building, you sat down. We sang a couple of songs. And I get up here to preach. Whatever condition you were in at that moment, whatever state of goodness, of righteousness, of holiness in the sight of God, some of you certainly, some of you here tonight, probably not in good standing with God. Some of you tonight in sin, your fate is sealed. That's a terrifying thought. Too late to change. Can't go back. Can't right or wrong. Can't ask for forgiveness. It's over. That's what death does. But you've been warned. There was a gentleman back where I grew up in Allison, Texas, come to church. His name was Coley Parker. I don't, Andrea, do you remember Coley and Vitola Parker? You do? She's getting pretty old. I didn't know if she'd remember. Coley Parker, nice gentleman. Vitola, a little short woman. And they drove an old green and white Chevy pickup and, and Coley would get out of the pickup and he would walk around to the passenger side and he'd reach over in the bed of the pickup and he'd take out an old pot, a metal cooking pot, and he'd set it on the ground and he'd open the door and she'd slide her foot out and step on the pot and then she'd step on the ground. She's a little short leg. They come to church for years, years and years in Allison, Texas, and Coley Parker never obeyed the gospel. He heard sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. Never obeyed the gospel. Warning after warning after warning. And then one day we got the word he was sick. He was ill. And I don't remember all the circumstances because I was a young, I was a teenager, but we drove to Amarillo and we went to the hospital to see Coley Parker and he was laying there in the bed and we, I remember my folks talking to him. I was a kid, I was standing there and tears, tears just streamed down his cheeks and he said, as soon as I get out of here and get to that church, I'm going to be baptized. And I remember it, it etched in my mind, seeing his lips say those words, sitting there in that bed, and I thought, man. And a few weeks later, guess who pulled up in the green Chevy pickup? Coley Parker. Guess who got out and got the pot out for his wife, Vitola? Coley Parker. Guess who came in and sat down? Coley Parker. I have no idea who preached. I have no idea what was said. I don't remember. I remember the invitation song came and I was scared to look back because I knew mom and dad would thump me on the head but I was Coley Parker didn't get up he didn't get he didn't move and I thought well tonight at church tonight he will they came back to church Coley Parker sat through the service never got up and moved and the next Sunday, I thought, he will come forward. He, I know he will. Nope. 
and weeks and weeks and weeks went by and guess what happened? Coley Parker died. I mean, I like the guy. He was a nice guy. But he cannot stand before God and say, I didn't know. And you can't either. How many invitation songs have you heard? How many warnings have you been given to repent? How many times has the offering been made to change? Hundreds upon thousands. You've been warned. And if you don't change, it's on you, my friend. I'm having trouble with my clicker. Luke 16, 22, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Maybe everybody expected him to die. Maybe he was very ill. I don't know. It doesn't say. The rich man also died. I don't know if they expected him to die. Maybe it was sudden. Maybe it wasn't. Both these men died. The rich man is buried. Notice verse 23, in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. What happened? Well, his power of choice is taken away. He can no longer make decisions for himself. If he could have made decisions, he wouldn't have been where he was. If he could have made decisions, he would have used all of his assets and resources to not be where he was. But now he's dead and his fate is sealed. Now I want you to notice there's no getting out. Because that's his plea to Abraham. Father Abraham, he says, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And I want you to know that the words of Abraham had to be terrible. He said, son, remember, in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus evil things. Now he is comforted and you are tormented. And then he describes a great gulf. Between us and you, there's a great gulf. You know what that means? You're set. It's set. You're in a place that cannot be changed. You're in the condition that you have chosen. Or you don't like it now. But you can't cross and we can't cross and nobody's moving. Now, if you're here tonight and you died at the beginning of the service and you're in good standing with God, that's wonderful. Your fate's sealed too. A place of comfort. That's wonderful. That's the goal. You know what? It's too late to change once you die. It's too late. <clears throat> that position will be sealed. And fixed. <clears throat> Number three, you have no hope. If you died 15, 20 minutes ago, you have no hope. I'll tell you, that's hard. Hope. We, we are people of hope. I've met some really negative people. Even they hope for improvement, for better. For the pain to pass. For the situation to improve. Went up to see Rusty Springer. 
he's laying there and he's black and blue and swollen up and looked awful. And I told him, I said, boy, you look awful. I said, what do you think, you know? He said, I thought I was going to die. And he said, I tried to relax. And he said, that trooper came up there and he looked in and he started to talk to me and he said, I says to him, get me drugs. Give me drugs. Why? You have hope. This can be improved. My situation can be improved. I can be in less pain. I can be more comfortable. Or I can go to sleep. Or, I mean, we, we can just think of almost anything of hope. But I'm going to tell you something. If you die away from the Lord, you have no hope. Zero. None. And that's the sad truth of it. And people all the time want to try to sell people a bill of goods that there's something better going to happen. Well, that's not true. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, he says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There are people who do not have Christ and they have zero hope. None. And preachers all the time go to a funeral home or the cemetery and they say, well, we all know this guy's better off. Or this lady's better off. And I want to tell you something tonight. If, if those people died without Jesus, that is absolute hogwash. They are not better off. If you die without the Lord, you, you are not better off. You'd be much better to be alive. Even if your body was eat up with disease, or you were in pain, or cancer, or every bone in your body broken, better to be alive than dead and hopeless. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. I've joked with a lot of people over the years in my line of work. I do some funerals and I do some weddings. And I've told people over the years I probably prefer to do a funeral. Weddings are, are a lot of pressure there. A funeral, there ain't so much pressure. I'll tell you something. It's hard to preach a funeral of someone you know that they're lost. That's hard to do. What do you say? There's no hope. Oh, this is a tragedy. It's not going to get better. All the good times are over. All the comforts are past. All the kindnesses. The hugs. Any and all affection, anything pleasant or pleasing, all comforts of life are gone. No hope. Matthew 25, verse 30, he said, Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't really know what pain is. We don't know what hurting is. 
we feel some physical pain. We have physical hurts. I understand that. We don't know what real pain is. We don't know what it's like to be alone. Do you understand that if you die without the Lord, you will be alone for eternity? You will be an outcast from everything that's good. Everything that is good. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation 20, verse 14, he says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is there a literal lake of fire? I don't know. Maybe there is and maybe there's not. Revelation's a book of symbols, of signs given to John. Maybe there is really a lake of fire. I think what the apostle trying to convey to us through the words of Jesus is a place of immense suffering. The most terrible suffering you could think of, a lake of fire. That's the idea. You know what the hardest thing is about this sermon? You're not dead. You're alive. I hope you feel the urgency to be right with God. I want to tell you something. There is nothing more important in your life than to be right with God. Nothing. You live your whole life and you make your choices. You can be a failure at business. You can be a failure at being a friend. You can be a failure in most any area of life. Do not be a failure with God. Get that one right and everything else doesn't matter. But the fact is, people live their whole lives and secretly serve Satan. They serve sin. They are give in to temptations. People that come to church every Sunday do that very thing. Are you right with God? Do you have hope? I want to tell you something. You're alive. And you can make changes. You have a choice. Did you know that the clock is ticking? It's ticking. And I don't know when. Time will run out for you. But if we start this clock, it's going to go for just a few moments. And you don't know when your life will end. I'll tell you one thing. If you knew, if you knew that you had one minute and then you were going to meet the Lord, what would you do? Would you come forward? Would you make some hollow promise? Would you get right with God? I dare say we'd get right. I dare say if you had 20 seconds to go, every one of you would come to the front, would beg and plead for forgiveness, and would have a true change of heart. And if you only had 10 seconds to go, you'd do something about it, something radical. You'd have a change of mind that was real because life is precious and it is short. And then you die. If we can help you today, to be right with God. Make that choice. Make a good choice. I'm not here today to do something for myself. I'm, not, I'm here to try to help people to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. And I want to tell you, 
If you need to come forward and change your life, that's, the, that's what you have to do. You have to do it. If you don't do that tonight, you're going to go home and wish you did. You're going to get in your bed and lay down in the bed and go, I wish I'd have went forward. Do it. Because is everybody going to look at you if you come forward? Yep. I'm going to tell you, everybody will look at you with joy, with gladness. So let us help you. We have a song prepared. You know the drill. We offer an invitation over and over and again. If you need it tonight, act on it while you can. Because the day coming when you'll be dead, when your fate will be sealed, you can no longer choose. So don't go down that road with no hope. Make a change today as we sing.